Hey everybody, Tyler Smith here, uh, talking about another best picture. This one, the best picture for the year 2000, my graduation year, um, from high school. And that is Ridley Scott's Gladiator. But before we jump into that, I'm going to welcome in your co-host and mine. He sang Frankie Valley on the way over. Josh Long. Josh. Tyler, are you not entertained? <laughs> well done. You thought I forgot, didn't you? No, no. We, we were recording several minisodes in a row, and uh, Josh told me that story that he was uh, singing in the car on the way over. And, Just uh, checking on my vocal quality there. Well, not in the car. And once we got here, I was yeah. like, how's that sound? How's my voice sound right now? I like the idea of somebody who's like, let me do a sound check. And you just launch into <laughs> Frankie Valley. <laughs> I was doing my own sound check the entire way here. Exactly. Um, it's like, well, if my voice isn't completely destroyed, then it must be strong, right? Um, <laughs> and I saw that poster for Jersey Boys. While hey, I was doesn't driving. that not seem like a Clint Eastwood film? It doesn't at all. Well, he's never done a musical before, has he? Uh, I mean... Not that kind. I mean, he did like Bird, but I don't think that's really a musical, strictly speaking. I'm I'm very interested to see that movie, which is weird because, one, I don't really like those musicals that are made just from a bunch of, like they take a popular musician. Yeah, there's a bunch of those lately. It's a, it's a huge thing now. There's one for every major band. Um, and and I'm, I'm not even joking about that. There's a Beatles one. There's a Queen one. There's a Beach Boys one. There's a Billy Joel one. There's like everything. Um you like the Beach Boys. I do like the Beach Boys, but generally I don't like those type of musicals. Yeah. But often it's because there's people singing those songs in a way that I don't like them. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I absolutely. like the originals, and now just a bunch of pop stars redoing them is like, yeah. why would I want to see that? Um, but something about this one really makes me want to see it. I don't know. First, because I'm just, it weirds me out to think of Clint Eastwood doing yeah. a musical. Yeah. But. I've been told also about this play that it, it's tr it, it really is trying to be uh, sort of filled with the manliness that comes from being who those guys are, like tough, like roughneck Jersey guys who at the same time were in a pop music group with a guy who sings with really high falsetto voice. Like it's yeah. already uh, their, their existence at all is kind of a weird balance thing. So I, I think I've been told anyway that the musical is kind of trying the musical plays on that, yeah. which makes it sound like it could be interesting. And I just, I like the, a lot of those songs. So I feel like it could be something that for some reason I really enjoy because it's a weird mix of things that shouldn't go together. Yeah. I, I feel like I wouldn't enjoy that kind of thing, partially because these songs were not meant to be sung in a musical format. These are songs written and performed by these artists. And now yeah. you're working it into their biography as though it was some sort of, uh, you know, unconscious thing. Like it was always in their mind and then they finally had to put it on paper, but it was always there. Yeah. Well, that's what I don't know. Like, I don't know how much of the musical is just them performing some of these songs or if it's that, then I feel like that doesn't even count as a musical that's right. just a biopic. That's like yeah. just that. That's just walk the line. Right. But then I think, I mean, they must somehow connect because the, the musical, the, the theater musical is not that, that yeah. I'm aware of. So I don't know. I think it blends those two somehow. So, you know, if I were a studio executive, and I'm working on it. We'll see how it goes. More than one lesson studios. Uh, so far we've just made about five short films, but that's, that's all. Yeah. Um, if I were a studio executive and I didn't know who Clint Eastwood was, but like as a person and as a, a Hollywood icon, 
and someone said, hey, we got the rights to Jersey Boys. And I'd say, awesome. Who do we have to direct? Uh, the guy that made Unforgiven. If you were to just like, be see like, Poppin' uh, Clint Eastwood's real, you'd be like, no, yeah. not this guy. Hmm, how many people do I have to fire as a result of this? Because I'm going <laughs> to, I'll do it. I will fire every, including me. If I have to, if I have to quit because this, this so doesn't fit, I'll do it. <laughs> Um, okay. But then again, the last time I thought something wasn't going to fit together at all, it was social network. So beforehand, you told me Justin Timberlake is in a David Fincher movie written by, uh, Aaron Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin about Facebook. I was yeah. like, no, that sounds terrible. Well, the thing that got me was just when people said, oh, it's the Facebook movie. And I thought, I don't think you can adapt that. <laughs> and then it, it's weird how long it took me to realize Oh, it's probably about the making of fate. Okay. Right. Got it. Like when you first heard that, it, it sounds like when people say the angry birds movie, you're like, it's yeah. a thing that isn't, but even that, that you can't can, make a movie out of. You could put a narrative onto that. But, what gets me is when, they will. when they take stuff like, uh, like, uh, he's just not that into you or think like a man books that are written, yeah. that are advice books. And then they turn that into several narrative stories in a film. And I think that's, not how that's supposed to work, but whatever. Or, or they take New Year's Day. That's just a holiday. And they turn it into a movie. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Valentine's Day is one. Did I see Valentine's that? Valentine's Day. No. What did I see? I saw one of those. They're all basically just large it's ensemble just the same casts. Movie, yeah. Just trying to make love actually, but without any charm. It's just Carrie Marshall saw love actually and is like, <laughs> that's what I'm doing for the rest of my yeah. life. Um, man, Gary Marshall. It's It's fascinating. The world would have been better if he stuck to acting because he's a delightful screen presence. He is, yeah. Has the director show the Goldbergs now? Uh, I no. haven't seen it, but if I had to guess, I'd say yes. Is that him, or am I just? You're thinking of Jeff Garland. <laughs> Jeff Garland, that's yes, the one. I get them mixed up. They're both pretty loud, actually. Um, okay, we need to move on to the actual reason for why we're talking, which is Ridley Scott's Gladiator. Josh, I'm going to take you back to my senior year in high school. I can't wait. It's a wonderful time. Sounds magical. Listeners may or may not know that I did win a certain award. It was a best actor in the state of Missouri. Oh, um, yeah? So yeah, it was a great time. Great time. Uh, and boy, oh boy, May 2000, my friends and I and basically everybody I knew was so excited to see this Gladiator movie. <laughs> Because they hadn't made one in a while, and it looked just so visceral and exciting. The action looked like it couldn't get any better. I went and saw it with my dad. Thrilled. Very excited. Went and saw an afternoon show. And uh, on a Saturday, packed theater. People loved it. I was disappointed. Uh, I did not respond to it the way I wanted to. Really? Uh, I, I admired a lot of it. I thought uh, it was very intense. And yet somehow I walked out thinking, actually not being remarkably engaged. Um, I've since revisited the film, I think twice since then, uh, always thinking, well, maybe it'll be different this time. Maybe my expectations are, are different. Uh, and invariably, there's stuff I like, but a lot, but it, it feels like there needs to be more. And that is where I land on Gladiator. Hmm. We will talk about the specifics in a moment, but Josh, your thoughts. I'm trying to even remember the first time I saw it. And I honestly can't remember. I think I might not have seen it before the Oscars that year. Mm. 
Um, so you don't remember if that was a movie you were interested in? I mean, it was. A, it got a big publicity push. I think I had. Se- I saw it after other people had seen it. Okay. I think other people saw it, and then they were like, "Oh, this is cool." And then I saw it, and was like, "Oh." I feel like I remember just thinking like that was cool, mm-hmm. but that was all I thought. And I didn't again. I didn't know as much about film at the time, so I didn't really know who Ridley Scott was. That would, that didn't mean anything to me. Mm. I did know who he was, but I, and I remember thinking this is not like Alien or Blade Runner. Not that I wanted it to be, but yeah. I remember feeling uh, disappointed. Yeah, that a movie as I'm going to go ahead and say generic as this could come from uh, an auteur like him. Though I don't think yeah. at the time I was aware of the term auteur. Yeah, I. I <laughs> In retrospect, knowing more about Ridley Scott and uh, knowing more about the the year and everything, I feel like this maybe is that, I mean, maybe other people have said this, but this is that turning point, like Gladiator is kind of that turning point where he started to make a lot of films that were kind of, kind of bland. Yeah. And I don't think Black Hawk Down is Black Hawk Down's the next year, right? And right. Yes. I think that's a film that has a lot of life to it and is very well directed. Yeah. But most of the films since 2000, I feel like we're all expecting them to be. Yeah. Even even Prometheus, which, uh, you know, that was him returning to the thing that we knew him from. And right. even that is, I mean, of course, it's visually beautiful, but at the, but part of me is just like yeah but you just in many cases you just went back to what we already knew to be visually beautiful right um and the story's all over the place and it's just not i I didn't find it a satisfying film at all yeah it's a weird thing with him like i feel like he's got a small period of time where he has a very specific uh vision i guess yeah and i feel like maybe it's almost more like that's a fluke now it does seem strange i mean people like I will say Ridley Scott. Oh yeah. Alien Blade Runner. And then I'll take a beat, say Black Hawk down. Then I'll have to stumble around for some more stuff that I might like. I kind of like matchstick men. I, I've heard that the director's cut of kingdom of heaven is wonderful. Hmm. I saw the theatrical cut and thought it was fine. Um, I know he's done stuff since then. I can't even pull his filmography to mind. That should tell you something. Counselor. Yeah, which I didn't see, uh, but you saw and said it was interesting. Uh, one of the thing, the thing that I liked, I think, the least about it was the directing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird that like he he feels like a journeyman now. Yeah, what's that one? That terrible one where R- Russell Crowe goes to Tuscany for some reason. A good reason? year. Ugh. Yeah, it's just it's so interesting. And Gladiator might be it. I mean, that might be the movie that. Uh, you know, it, it has, it, it's definitely a, a crowd pleaser. It's, it's not remarkably challenging. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it was challenging to make. I mean, it's right. very and high ambition. There's a lot of these, a lot of these films that we're even mentioning now that I think he does show himself as a capable director, mm-hmm. but not one with, uh, not one with a very specific vision, you know, yeah. not one that has, uh, not one that has a signature on his films. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought, I, this is going to sound strange, and I'm sure I might have said this in the episode that we did, uh, Battleship Pretension, but who would have thought that of the Scott brothers, the one who would come out as the clearer visionary would be Tony? Yeah. 
you know, may he rest in peace. But, and even when I didn't always like his movies, I mean, he, you always knew a Tony Scott movie. Yeah. And you would think that would be the case of Ridley Scott. But frankly, I mean, there's nothing, while I think Black Hawk Down is a visceral thrill and it's a wonderful directorial achievement, there's nothing about it that points to Ridley Scott. No, because he doesn't so direct in that style. He just did it for that movie and did it very well. Um, yeah. It is kind of a one-two punch of Gladiator and then this, yeah. and then uh, Gladiator and then Black Hawk Down, uh, where suddenly it looked like he was getting much more kinetic. Uh, and then he uh, then he made Matchstick Men and a good year and stuff. He did Hannibal too. I he totally did do Hannibal. That that That's Hannibal. right. No, thank you. That movie, although it, it does kind of retain some of his signature uh, darkness. I say signature. It's not true. It's not a signature anymore. It was his signature in the 80s. It is not now. Yeah. And I don't think it was at the time. A lot of these, when you look, say, I'm, I'm looking through his filmography now, and a lot of them are just kind of like blah action films. You got American Gangster, Body of Lies, Robin Hood. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. I mean, American uh, Body of Lies, I actually liked more than I thought I would. American Gangster is a movie that a lot of people, including me, thought they would like. And it's uh, and it, no one talks about it. No one thinks about it. And what was the other one? Uh, I forgot which, it. Which two did you say? I said American Gangster and Body of Lies. Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Oh, boy. Yeah. That thing is a swing and a miss. Yeah. <sighs> And I didn't remember this. He directed Thelma and Louise. Oh, that I knew. Yes. And I completely forgot that. And that's a well-directed film. And I think he might've even been nominated for it. But, um, but yeah, that, I feel like that is part of, uh, his like strong period. Cause I was like 91. Um, yeah. And I feel bad for bashing Ridley Scott, but it's just so easy to do these days. Now, again, he's a capable director. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you see where he started, and you see where he is now, you think, how on earth did this happen? Yeah, and I, I think it's just, it's almost just disappointing. Cause I, no, it, it's almost sad, and I feel like it's it's maybe not even fair to him, but I don't know where else to go with it, that we still expect something out of him that he's not really doing anymore. Yeah, and hasn't done in a long time. I right. Mean, I think we need to adjust our expectations, but now what is my expectation? My expectation is a capably made film that I don't care about. Yeah. I'd much rather have my other expectation, but then that, that just means I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing that happens with filmmakers sometimes when they have a period that just really, uh, stands out so much. Yeah. But then kind of move away from that to the point where they, they, their films become forgettable. Yeah. And And it's, it's it's a shame when it happens. And I, I think we can't, expect them to be meeting that same standard always. I mean, that, that sometimes is impossible. Yeah. And Um, it's, but it's still, it's, it, it can't help but be disappointing. Well, and it's interesting when you, when you talk about the great directors working now and that have worked in the last 30 years, like the great directors, there is a consistency, not merely of quality and sometimes not even quality. There are movie, there are directors that make interesting failures. I mean, think Spielberg. of Spielberg. Oh, absolutely. But he, and that's the thing. He's always Spielberg. You know, it. even when he makes a movie, I don't love, mm-hmm. you know what to expect. And he always delivers on that expectation. Mm-hmm. Coen brothers. I mean, I didn't like intolerable cruelty, but that was a Coen brothers movie through oh, and through. Yeah. Um, kind of the same with lady killers, more just in tone than anything else. But, um, 
For the most part, Scorsese, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, uh, a, no- a director that was nominated twice in 2000, uh, S- Steven Soderbergh, yeah. I mean, he, he's all over the map as far as what the stories he tells, but he's very consistent in, in how they, you can almost always tell a Steven Soderbergh film. Yeah. Whereas Ridley Scott, if you look at the last 30 years, I don't think you can call him a great director. I think you can call him a guy who had two, gr- who made two great movies. Yeah. Yeah. Like two great, uh, you know, history making films, at least oh, from yeah. a, from a film point of view. I mean, there are people I'm sure that got into film because of alien and oh, got yeah. into film because of blade runner. Yeah. And so he'll always have that. So I can't dismiss him as a director because he did something. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're talking to somebody who thinks night of the hunter is one of the best movies of all time. And that was, and the guy who directed that only, that was the only thing that ever was made. The only film, yeah. And so, um, so yeah, it is, it is a bummer to be talking about Ridley Scott in this way, but, uh, to bring things back to gladiator, um, it is a, a fun spectacle. I always got a sense of that spectacle. Um, I think he got good performances from his actors. Uh, I think it's a nice, consistent visual quality. The action sequences are, uh, they do have an energy to them, and you can tell he really put a lot of himself into those. Um, I liked its use of music. There's there's a lot of good in Gladiator, but I feel like in the end, there's a term that I don't that I I don't use. I don't think I use it enough because it it can apply to a lot of things. Uh, there are, and that's the idea of a movie being greater or less than the sum of its parts. Mm. I feel like Gladiator is certainly not greater than the sum of its parts and might not even be equal to the sum of its parts. Mm. Like you look at the art direction, the visual effects, the performances, all those are good. And yet as, as a complete film, I find myself walking away thinking, yeah, all right, that's it. I can, I can see it being, and I think this is a trend in the last 15, uh, 10 to 15 years. Um, I can see it being that the filmmakers are so caught up with a lot of those specific pieces Mm -hmm. that they kind of lose sight of the film as a whole. Yeah. So they're so excited about like, we're going to recreate ancient Rome. Yeah. Um, with like the visual effects and things like that, that they don't ever stop to think like, do we need to do this? Yeah. Um, it's odd that the, I would say the thing that unifies the film is Russell Crowe, which is maybe one of the reasons that he won best actor. for. I think so. Yeah. Um, as opposed to the tone or even the idea that we're working towards something. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Let's, let's go back to that thing that you were talking about. Is that, do we need to do this? Is this a story that needs to be told? Is this something, uh, is the, you know, is there a burning desire to do this, to make this film or is it one that we just think will be neat and there are things within it that we want to do? Yeah. But the, and the story itself is maybe just an excuse for that. Yeah. Well, and uh, uh, to, to even go beyond that, I, I think you could, uh, that story can be something that, that needs to be told or that really oh, sure. has a, has a, uh, some kind of fire to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it almost goes there in, in questioning the nature of entertainment. Um, I mean, that, that whole famous scene where he says, are you not entertained? Like that, that gives the film an opportunity to set, to, uh, point a critical eye at how we act as audiences. Yeah. But I don't feel like the movie's really doing that. 
No, it more it more feel it feels like there's one significant scene where it seemed like a neat thing to do, but it's not an exploration of that. Right. And and, and ultimately it's not really an exploration of anything. It's right. just it's an exciting it's an exciting sword and sandal thrill ride, but that's yeah. There's not a lot more to it than that. And when I think the filmmakers are thinking about things like we're going to have tigers in this scene yeah. or like uh you know, we're going to have all, all of like crazy things we're going to have, then they're thinking too much about those and not about like, is there any heart to this? Is there any yeah. point to this? Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Spartacus. I like it a lot, but what's, I do own it because partially because there's a lot of really great special features and I'm a huge fan of Peter Ustinov, but, hmm. um, but that film felt like it had weight. Yeah. It felt like it was about something. What was it about? I'm not even a hundred percent sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, it certainly deals with like notions of slavery and there's also some homoeroticism in there and that kind of thing. But like, it really feels like there's something going on and that I need to try and figure out what it is. Yeah. Gladiator. I feel like what you see, what you see is what you get. Yeah. Um, and there's no, there's not a, there's no crime in that. I mean, that's what we talked about with Chicago. That doesn't mean that it's a bad movie at all. Like the, it's it's just a it's more of an exciting movie. It's a spectacle movie. It's no. about like, you know, having a good time. Yeah. And in that sense, I mean, it winning best picture makes a lot of sense. I mean, it why wouldn't you? Hmm. It's a spectacle. It's a period film, strong acting, a good, you know, a good director and a, a big box office. Yeah, and a, a use of special effects that was Yeah. I don't know that it was groundbreaking, but it was one of those, it was one of those times when people were using special effects to do something that you wouldn't have necessarily thought to do with special effects. Yeah. I mean, this was using special effects. Anyway. Yeah. This was using special effects to recreate the Coliseum as opposed to, Hey, look at these dinosaurs and stuff. Right. It's, strange as it may sound, the visual effects are meant to be invisible. You're instead meant to just see, see it almost as art direction instead of visual effects. And I feel like that's, uh, a really interesting way of, of using them. Right. Um, which of course is now kind of what they do for everything. Yes. I think, yes. Once again, uh, there's a movie that does something really good and it's, and it's motives are honorable and then everyone else messes it up. (laughs) Um, okay. So, uh, so we'll move on to talking about the year in general and the other best pictures. The other best picture nominees were traffic, crouching tiger, hidden dragon, Aaron Brockovitz and shock a lot. Now, uh, I'm a big fan of traffic. I was a huge fan of traffic at the time. I believe I saw it five times in the theater. Mm. Um, partially because one of the, one of the things that I did at the time is there'd be a movie that I loved and that my, and that I would tell my friends about and they said, Oh, that sounds good. And they'd say like, well, I want to see it, but I don't have anybody to see it with. And at the time, you know, we were in a high school, so people weren't going to go see a movie alone. Um, and so I said, like, I'll go. I'll go with you. It was one of those things. I get to see it again, and you're seeing it for the first time. And if and if I don't go, you won't see it. So I'll go, and then I can talk about it with someone. <laughs> um, and so uh, so there was that. And, I, and so Traffic was one of those movies. The Insider was the movie before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember just really responding to it. These days, I think the script is a little bit clunky, but I love the way it's put together. That's a Soderbergh film. Yeah. And it's it's kind of the movie that, uh, 
Well, it's not really the movie that put him on the map for me. I saw the limey before that and thought that was amazing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that these days I, I think it's very good. I think it's still in my top hundred. I still respond to it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and if any of these was going to give gladiator run for its money, uh, like, really it would have been traffic yeah i for me that's the one that year i think that's the one that should have won yeah although i'll say this at the time i didn't love crouching tiger hidden dragon i think i love it now really i think i really respond to it Mm. um i think it might be because i've been more exposed to the work of ang lee Mm. and i think at the time i had seen the ice storm which i really liked but i think i'm also more familiar with just that style of martial arts and that style of filmmaking and Mm. and you know, the tone of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which is this, which there are fights, but it's still a remarkably quiet film. And there's a, there's a piece to it that you wouldn't expect it. There, there's a lot of great stuff in that film. And I'm frankly just, I was very happy that it was nominated. Mm. Then there's Aaron Brockovich. No, thank you. I just, I don't understand why it was nominated. It's, it's one performance. It's Julia Roberts being sassy and doing a good job. <laughs> But uh, even hers isn't the best performance, the best lead actress of that year. Now, Julie Roberts, is that the toothy girl from Mystic Pizza? <laughs> that's a Ron Swanson. Indeed. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a Swanson right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so <laughs> that's a good line. That's one of my I favorites of his. Um, so, uh, yeah. And that's also, and this movie also directed by Steven Soderbergh. And I see no trace of him. That's Which is a strange. weird thing to say. Well, it's... <laughs> It's weird. He he tends to do this thing that people who know a lot about Soderbergh will know he tends to do this thing where he kind of goes, he, he uh, at least used to ping pong back and forth between making a movie that would make a lot of money yeah. and then making something that was far less accessible and that maybe a lot of people don't even like, yeah. which is why he's the same guy that made Schizopolis and made Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Um, but this almost seems like in this year you had both of those movies, like Aaron Brockovich seems like the the one for like the crowd pleaser one and traffic seems like the one that he has a passion about. And it's yeah. weird to see those happening in the same year. You know, when I say that I see no, I see none of uh, Steven Soderbergh and Aaron Brockovich. That's not now, that's not totally true. Now that I think about it, there is uh, a visual grit and almost an ugliness to it. Um, it. Not ugly, but it's just when you, when you know, when you run across a movie like Aaron Brockovich, you frankly expect it to be uh, shot like the blind side. Where just every where it's just bland and everything's nice and smooth and fine. Whereas Aaron Brockovich, though I don't enjoy the script to the point that I started using a term called Aaron Brockovich syndrome, which uh, is when all the other characters in the film have read the script and recognize, oh, I'm not the lead. I better do what this one what this woman has to say. <laughs> um, uh, so, but I do think uh, it does take place very much in a reality that is recognizable and one that is not movie glamorous at all. Uh, it does feel grounded in reality from a visual standpoint. And I think that's probably that's probably Steven Soderbergh. Um, and then last is uh, Ch- uh, Chocolat, directed, I think, by La- uh, Lasse, Lasse Hallstrom. I haven't seen it and I know nothing about it. Okay. Uh, I remember liking it at the time. Uh, since then, I think it's really cheesy, but it's a nice visual tone. It has a, almost a fable quality to it that I really like. I have no idea why it was nominated. That's not true. It's Miramax. Um, and at the time, Miramax was sort of the king of this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, of the best pictures, I mean, I'd say Traffic or Crouching Tiger, leaning obviously towards Traffic. I feel mm-hmm. like it's a, a greater achievement. 
And it's worth noting. Here's an interesting thing about traffic. It won four Oscars. It won best editing, best adapted screenplay because it was adapted from a, a, a British television series. Right? Yeah. Um, best supporting actor for Benicio del Toro. Yeah. And best director for Soderbergh. So literally, the Academy liked the way it was put together, the way it was acted, how it was written, and how it was directed. But the film itself, no thank you. Um, It's such an odd thing. Yeah. Um, And so uh, it almost felt... And and Gladiator won picture, actor, costume design, sound, and visual effects. Do you know what won cinematography that year? I don't. I could see it being Crouching Tiger. It might have been... But uh, don't these. quote me on that. Hmm. So, um, I'm kind of interested now. Yeah. And so it's just gladiator. I mean, they gave it, you know, those are some major awards, but uh, th- those are, those are five Oscars. One of them picture. And, but the other, the only other major one is actor, which I think makes sense. Cause as I said, the film is on his shoulders pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then it's, then it's all uh, technical. Yeah. And so, uh, giving a best picture, it almost felt as though the Academy said, well, this is the kind of movie we give best picture, mm-hmm. um, traffic though. I think it's wonderful. It, I think it is, uh, maybe a hard movie to connect to emotionally. Um, I don't necessarily think so, but I think it's something that you have to sort of work for that emotional connection instead of it just serving it to you. Yeah. Um, and so I think there might be that, but it's, it's certainly grittier and it's not always, uh... I feel like if if uh, the Academy's kind of split on something, they go away from the grittier stuff. Uh, yes, I'd say that's true. Um, so looking at... Uh, and so your vote would be traffic. Yeah. Okay. Hands down. Um, but the other notable 2000 releases, it was a pretty good year for movies um, and movies that actually could have been nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of Castaway, or as it's written here, Castaway. Um <laughs> Uh, and I feel like, I mean, it was nominated for, um, for sound and it, rightfully so it's hard to explain, but they basically had to recreate everything, uh, so that it sounded like you were on an Island. Uh, it should have also been nominated for, uh, visual effects for, uh, so effectively making a parking lot seem like the ocean. <laughs> but, um, have you seen Castaway? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, I, I love it. I don't think it's necessarily best picture material, but I, I feel like it maybe could have gotten more uh recognition but yeah. uh going going down this list quills got a lot of recognition certainly from a technical standpoint that's one i haven't seen um i like it a lot um there's several of these i haven't seen actually uh you can count on me as a movie that got some recognition not very much i think it deserved frankly i think you could take shock a lot or you know what you could take aaron brockovich out of there and throw in you can count on me I think it's one of the it's one of the best movies I've ever seen, and I think it was one of the best movies that year. Hmm. Um, I think I think now when I look back on it, Traffic was my favorite movie of that year for a long time. If I'm being honest, I think it's probably now you can count on me. Really? Um, let's see. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Almost Famous, but that seems like it could have been a Best Picture. Yeah, I enjoy that one a lot. That's actually yeah, I like that one a lot. I I'm hesitant to say how good it is or how great it is. Because I think part of the reason that I like it so much is I like it so much more than the rest of the Cameron Crowe movies that I've mm-hmm. seen. Like I, I like Jerry Maguire. I don't like Jerry Maguire. Hmm. I don't know. I just I never, I never liked it. I, I don't think there is another one of his that I like. I also kind of like Vanilla Sky. 
That's maybe the closest one, but I I don't love Vanilla Sky, and part of it maybe because I've seen the film it's based on. Oh yeah, I like that one more. Abre um, los ojos. Yeah. So when you have the two to compare, yeah, it's it's harder to say that you like the one. Um, but like some of his other ones, I just really don't like. I Elizabeth Town, I really don't like. Yeah. Um, we bought a zoo. Didn't see that one. You and I should watch it, and then we should. Um, play a zoo. That's okay. Oh boy. Um, but but I that is a film that I enjoy a lot, and maybe partially almost famous. I mean, it's a film that I enjoy a lot, and maybe it's partially just because I like seventies rock music, and it's just speaking to me on my level there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it is a movie that people really liked. I think it won the Oscar for best original screenplay that year. Hmm. Um, yeah, because adapted went to traffic, and um, a lot of people liked it. And uh, it, it does seem like the kind of movie that the uh, Academy could have embraced. Also, Billy Elliot which is a movie I love. Mm. Um, and it was nominated for a number of things, including best director. Um, interestingly enough, um, Stephen Daldry is a, is a director that the first three movies he made, he was nominated for best director for, Wow, which is interesting. He made this, he made the hours and he made the reader. Um, and so it's pretty good. Yeah. And then he made extremely loud and incredibly close, which is a movie I don't like, but actually directorially, I think it's okay. Hmm. Um, but Billy Elliot, it has that sort of inspiring quality to it. Uh, while also having a bit of a gimmick, which is this working class kid dancing his troubles away. Mm. Uh, And it's a really great movie. And it also has to, and it earns its sentiment because these are characters that are not like his dad is not a a curmudgeon. Like he's a, not a likable man um, and is like tough as nails. So Billy Elliot's one, I think if they were feeling, if they are feeling adventurous, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou is a is a movie that could have been nominated for picture. Mm-hmm. If they were doing it how they do how they do it now, which is nine, yeah. it made enough money. It's a comedy, and it's visually gorgeous. Yeah, and it covers a lot of ground, and it's in and it's laughably based on uh, on the Odyssey. <laughs> um, yeah, I could see that being one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then there's stuff like Amoris Peros, which that- you know. I, I love that film. I, I feel like that's a great film. That's among my favorites. And I feel like that's honestly, I like crouching tiger, hidden dragon, but if I was going to put a foreign one in for this year, it would be that one. Yeah. And because crouching was crouching tiger. Was that released by Miramax? I'm trying to think now. Probably. Yes. So like that, that again is the Miramax movie machine kind of pushing that to the forefront, which is why it as a foreign film gets nominated for picture, which almost never happens. Yeah. And when, since that was the one that was up for picture, you knew it it was going to be the one. That that is how it works. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's unquestionable, which disappoints me because I feel like I like, I like Amaris Paris better as a film. Yeah, I think I do too. And that's, uh, I don't know. I don't remember all of his name. Uh, Inyaritu is Alejandro last name. Gonzalez Inyaritu. Okay. Yeah. yeah and he's the a director in a weird place in there. Yeah. It's uh, off putting. I don't think I like him as a director. Um, but <laughs> because uh, of, based on his name, yes, your name's hard to say. And yeah. thus I'm not interested in your films. Um, I think I, I really responded to Amoris Peros and then I really like 21 grams. I don't love Babel. But um, I, I, Amoris Paris is him at the, at the height of the thing that he does. Yes. Yes. Um, and I actually saw it for the first time only a few years ago and thought it was uh, and really responded to it. Um, and then another movie, uh, Wonder Boys, which is a Curtis, ha- uh, Curtis Hansen film with uh, uh, Michael Douglas in what I think is maybe his best performance. Um, I enjoyed Wonder Boys. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I think that's a great 
movie and it was basically ignored by the Academy. Um, and I'm not sure if the movie should have been nominated or if it was that kind of movie, but, uh, I think he should have been for mm, best actor, but he that, wasn't, yeah. but, but yeah. And so, uh, 2000 was a pretty good year and there were movies that absolutely could have been, um, could have been in there for best picture and maybe even, maybe even one, something like an almost famous or, uh, a Morris Peros, um, and then I, I myself, I mean, I cannot speak highly enough of uh, You Can Count on Me. And I think given, I mean, it's a small movie, but really, I mean, Terms of Endearment is a small movie. Yeah. Driving Miss Daisy is a small movie. Yeah. Albeit one that... Kramer tackles. versus Kramer. Kramer yeah, that's perfect. Kramer versus Kramer is a very small movie. Um, so small doesn't always leave something out. No. And You Can Count on Me is one that just is such a is such a a mature and funny and dramatic and honest film that I just, again, listeners, if you haven't seen it, you gotta see it. Um, so yeah, gladiator winning best picture. It felt vaguely perfunctory. It felt like the Academy saying, this is what we do. Um, the movie is fine, but there were definitely better movies that year. I think so. Um, and so, you know, as I go back, you know, when I, if I were to rattle off like the best picture winners starting now and going backwards, uh, obviously once I get to like the sixties and fifties, that's when I start to go, go off the rails a little bit. But as I start doing this, uh, I mean, I might shudder a little at crash and stuff like that, but then I hit 2002, 2001, 2000. And I just think, and that's when I get, I remember what's there, but I have this it's interesting as I, as I go through, I find I have emotional reactions to the titles and just immediately uh, better movies get called to mind. And then mm-hmm. when I hit 2000, I remember just thinking like, man, that was a disappointing thing, mm-hmm. especially cause I was so invested in traffic at the time. Um, but just realizing that, Oh, it just, I don't know. It just felt almost like a foregone conclusion. Not that I think it was a movie made to win Oscars, by the way. Um, I mean, it came out in May it was a it was a special effects action extravaganza. I don't think anybody had that in mind. I don't think it was Oscar bait. Yeah. Um, so I guess good for the Academy for going for something that wasn't just pandering to them. Yeah. But uh, but nonetheless, I just think it. Uh, I don't know. I, I find myself disappointed when I think back on two thousand. Yeah. Next time we're going to be talking about the year nineteen ninety nine. What deserved <laughs> to win Best Picture? All of it. <laughs> That's not true. All of it, except maybe what did. Uh, although at the time, I certainly did not agree with what I just said. Uh, but that'll be a fun discussion, I think. So uh, that's something you can look forward to in, in a week or two. Uh, in the meantime, Josh, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. And thank you for listening. We'll get you next time.